The Morning Blend, a triple shot of Catholicism, conversation, and coffee. David and Brenda start your day with a fresh cup of joy and inspiration, whether it's through interviews, news, music, or prayer. It's all viewed through a Catholic lens. It's The Morning Blend on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Mater Day Radio. Monday morning to you, July 17th, 7 a.m. It's David and Brenda with you on the Morning Blend. Hey, I'm back. You are back. I'm glad uh, because I forgot that because when you're on vacation, all of the switches are a little bit different and you're back and I forgot (laughs) to get everything ready for your grand return, David. I can't be back if my microphone's not on. It just won't work (laughs) that way. So, uh, well, thank you. That was a nice little song. Uh, Welcome back, Cotter. Yeah. I love that show. We were, uh, let's see, who was it that we were talking about getting, when I was getting that ready, and they were like, I have, I think it might have been Aaron. Yeah. Who said, I have no idea (laughs) what you're talking about. That's right. Welcome back, Cotter. That's right. Uh, That's probably uh, circa 1970s. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I'm thinking that, yeah, that's a, a very young John Travolta. Exactly. That's. I think where a lot of people really remembered him getting oh, that, his yeah. start. Exactly. Uh, and probably the only one that really made a career from that whole crew. He was one of the sweat hogs. He was a sweat hog. That's it. Was that like uh, they were in like uh, like secondary education, like they were struggling in all their classes, yeah. so they put them together in this we'll say unique group. Yeah, it was like New York City High School. Yeah, I think basically. And, uh, <laughs> Mr. Cater. Mr. Cater. So uh, anyway, it's nice to be back. Hey, did you enjoy your uh, staycation? Staycation, very much so. We did go over to Astoria for a couple of days, which was very nice. But yeah, for the most part, just a staycation. And uh, it was very nice for me because I got to play uh, some tennis. Were you, did you have like Wimbledon dreams when I, you were playing? You were inspired? Yes, yes, I did. In fact, I did. But my uh, tennis partner was back in town, my daughter. Oh, nice. So, because uh, she's down in uh, SoCal. And so she was up for the week. And so uh, we got to go out and play uh, several days and had fun with it and beautiful weather, kind of warm. It, there there was a couple of days during the week for sure. I think by Tuesday evening, it was really getting warm. And uh, yeah, Wednesday. It was hot. Saturday. Yeah, yeah. They, they were sprinkling there. And then, of course, you wake up this morning and I know. peak cut clouds. Clouds. To welcome you back. The clouds are here. So just like a day, though. So just this is like if you're looking at the week. In totality, today's like the coolest day. 
Okay. Could be back up into 90s by Wednesday. Yesterday, 92 or 93. Got a little warmer than what I think they anticipated yesterday, but it was it was toasty. It was toasty. It's a little so. toasty. So how how was thank you for Pat sitting in last week? How'd you guys do? Oh, we had a great week. You know, Pat is an old hat. It does not take him much to get back right. into his old oh, yeah. broadcasting days. That's been his career is on the air. And mm-hmm. so it was a lot of fun to have him on the air. That's and fun. Uh, yeah, so that way you could enjoy the time off. Of course, Patrick, he He's taken some days off. Yeah. I think he needed to recover from all those early mornings. <laughs> That's it. So uh, now he's gone for the week. So anyway, well, it is nice to be back. What What are we doing this week? I, I have no idea. You know, I just walked in. It's just like, what what's going on? <laughs> well, hey, what do we have? Anything? What's happening? Anything? What's happening in yeah. the news? Yeah, what's well, going on in know. the news? Yeah. Just uh, the regular kind of stuff. Here's what I've been dealing with, though, at my house. Yeah. So I was working on a project in our bonus room, and we have one of those portable air conditioners in there because the, the central air doesn't quite get that room right. uh, cooled down enough. So I was working on a project. I had an iron turned on, and they were both on the same kind of link, mm-hmm. and I threw a circuit breaker. Oh, no. I'm like, oh, man. Ooh. So I walked back downstairs. I know where the, the little... Uh, um, boxes. Right. Yeah. I see. Oh, there it is. And I click it back on. Nothing came Nothing. back on. Nothing. Hmm. And now the sprinkler system won't work. Our daughter's room is out. It's like the whole section of, you know, whatever was linked to that one circuit oh, breaker. No. Everything's out. Huh. And I've been looking all over. I am convinced that there is one of those. Uh, I don't know what they call GFIs or whatever, the ones that have the buttons yeah. on the outlet. Yeah. I think one of those is tripped somewhere. Oh, right. Yeah. I've I done that. Our, I can't yeah. find it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, it's driving me crazy. That's it's like looking for a lost shoe. Yeah. No, I know I know exactly where mine are because that's happened. And boom, you just push that push little the, button. Push the red button back yeah, in and it's you're, on. You're My problem is I can't find it and I feel like I'm going to have to buy, pay a... a uh, electrician yeah. to come yeah. out and charge me three hundred dollars to hunt it down and push the button. Well, can't you just go room to room and look I've at every a multiple? Have you checked the garage? I checked. It. That's where I think it is. Yeah, behind so some boxes. Behind something. That's probably right because I, know, I know one of my trip buttons is in the garage. I need one of those like metal detectors that you could just kind of walk around and it beeps when mm, it comes across one yeah. of those. Well, I'm sorry about that, All but right, that's so. probably a quick fix if you can just find it. That's, I know it's going to be a quick fix. I yeah. didn't know it's going to cost me a lot of money to find it. (laughs) Good luck to you. All right. What do you have coming up today? David, a high-ranking official from the Vatican, going to be in Washington, D.C. this week. On the agenda is the ongoing war in Ukraine and the U.S. support of the use of cluster bombs. Mm. Vatican and USCCB, not very happy about it. Okay. Uh, We'll talk about an unusual visitor to Cannon Beach (gasps) yesterday. Oh, it's pretty interesting. So we'll have that for you as well. I'm looking forward to it. We got a great show ahead for you. Here is Audrey Assad, the house you're building. We are the Morning Blend right here at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life.
That is Audrey Assad and the house you're building. It is 710 at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. David and Brenda with you on this Monday, July 17th. Happy birthday to my mom. It's her birthday today. Oh, yeah. happy birthday. Thank you so much yeah. for raising such a wonderful son. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. <laughs> if you're listening out there, happy birthday, Mom. Uh, you're going to learn about annulments. We'll have that for you right after the forecast. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Best Buy in Town Landscape Supply. Since 1984, Best Buy in Town has been supplying the area with landscape products and services, including bark dust blowing, rock, soil, sod, and recycler of yard debris. Located at 2200 Cornelius Pass Road in Hillsboro. Online at bestbybark.com or 503-645-6665. Join Mater Day Radio and Brother Cyril, a Benedictine monk at Mount Angel Abbey, for the morning offering. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world. I offer them for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart the salvation of souls, reparation for sin, and the reunion of all Christians. I offer them for the intentions of our bishops and of all apostles of prayer, and in particular, for those recommended by our Holy Father this month. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. For more prayer resources, and to let us know how we can pray for your intentions, please visit materdayradio.com. The Benedictine Brewery Tap Room is a place of hospitality and fellowship, a place where all who come are welcome and where the peace of nearby Mount Angel Abbey permeates. Come for the beer, return to share the spirit of the monks of Mount Angel who brew craft beer in the tradition of the Belgian monks of old using local waters and hops grown on Abbey land. Taste and believe. Learn more at benedictinebrewery.com. That's benedictinebrewery.com. No matter where your summer travels take you, Mater Dei Radio is always there. Our Hail Mary Media app is the perfect road trip companion. You're always a click away from a treasury of uplifting prayers, including live Liturgy of the Hours from the Benedictine monks at Mount Angel Abbey and a customized schedule of your own daily prayer reminders. The Hail Mary Media app also features a stream of Mater Dei Radio's live broadcast and podcast of all our original shows and new programming not available on the radio. Plus, you can jump into all the exciting summertime activities on the interactive community calendar, the latest Catholic news, and much more. Join the thousands of listeners who are moving through the summer with the Hail Mary Media app. Download it today. Search Hail Mary Media in the App Store, Google Play, or go to MontredayRadio.com for all the details. Wherever you go this summer, you're never far from the Hail Mary Media app and Monterey Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. And it is 714 at Mater Day Radio. Well, today, kind of the cool day of the week, partly cloudy skies in the morning. 
We'll see some sun later this afternoon. High of just 78. That compares to like 92 yesterday. So a little bit of a change there. Low of 56 under clear skies. And Tuesday, sunny 85. Wednesday, sunny 91. So temperatures start to move on up again. And then pretty nice the rest of the week. Okay. We can deal with Uh, that all right. Currently, it is 65 degrees at Holy Redeemer Catholic Church in Vancouver. And 66 degrees at St. Ignatius Church in Portland. Church teachings tell us that a marriage entered into through the church is a covenant between the couple and God. And because of that, it is a lifelong contract. Cannot be broken in the same way a legal contract can. So an annulment at its simplest is an examination of a marriage. Many believe that Catholic annulment, though, is the church's form of divorce. But it is far more complex than that. Joining me today to help us understand this process is Thomas Sundaram. Thomas is an instructing judge for the Archdiocese of Portland, and he's joining me today to help us gain a better understanding about this process. Good morning, Thomas. Thanks so much for joining us today on The Morning Blend. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thomas, an instructing judge for the Archdiocese. Explain to our listeners a little bit about what your job is and about yourself, please. Yeah, so uh, before I start talking about what my job is, uh, I should probably explain more generally what canon law is for, because I think it's kind of important to situate everything. So uh, when it comes to the governance of the church, we have all that we have and all that we do for the sake of the salvation of souls from Christ giving us the sacraments. He endowed the church with the sacraments when blood and water flowed from his side at the crucifixion. Because of that, when you think about what it is that the church is for, in, uh, for example, in Lumen Gentium, it's for the sake of the salvation of souls, which we achieve through the giving of the sacraments. And the church is kind of like a charitable organization in that way. We have the sacraments, but they're destined to everyone. Everyone is to be uh, offered baptism. Everyone is to be, when they've been baptized, given the other sacraments according to their need, provided they're rightly disposed. And so that establishes a bond of justice between the church and the faithful, generally speaking. So when you think of it like that, you understand that there is a whole system that has to come around that in the church itself for its own administration and governance in order to provide for the needs that the faithful have in order to be saved. And so that is the purpose of canon law. Thomas, explain to us as an instructing judge what that means with regards to canon law. Yeah. So if two people get up in front of everyone and they proceed to give marital consent, make vows in front of everyone in a public ceremony, uh, let's say with a priest there, maybe outside the context of a Catholic ceremony, then it is generally something that we presume is a valid marriage. We presume that the two people who went into it are intending to go into something which essentially on some basic level matches up with what we understand marriage to be. But we know as human beings in society, we know there are situations where that doesn't happen. And when you have a situation in which uh, a person maybe entered into that covenant in a way that was unable to embrace the obligations inherent in that covenant, like they're effectively promising the impossible, or you have someone who was unwilling to take those obligations on and in fact uh, radically opposed them in how they understood what they were doing, then you have a problem for the coming to be of marriage because what they want isn't marriage, it's something else. Or maybe they just radically are incapable of entering into such an agreement. 
So what the tribunal examines on behalf of the church, which is the institution tasked with preserving the integrity of and the record concerning the natural and sacramental in Christ institution we call marriage, uh, when people believe that there is a problem with the consent that was present or not present at the time of their entering into the marriage, they can come to us and we have a system which we've established out of the need to recognize and fulfill the duty that we have both to uphold the truth concerning a marriage that may or may not have come to be and the need to be able to do so with what we call moral certainty. And so we produce this whole process, but that is precisely to afford everyone the ability to be sure that when this process is finished, we can say with as much certainty as we're ever going to have whether in fact a marriage came to be that day. And that is what the melody process is about. And I am an instructing judge in that process, meaning that I render a vote at the end, but I also conduct the taking of testimony and evidence in that context. Okay. Wow. As something as important as marriages and how a covenant is designed to be between the couple and God, obviously, and as you have so beautifully laid out, it is a complex thing. And it's wonderful to know that our archdiocese really has office like yours that walks with a person or with a couple to process through this. Thomas, you recently were at Holy Rosary Church and you you did a little bit of a discussion about annulments and it was quite a bit of a discussion for what I understand. And so we're going to talk a little bit about some of the questions that people had who were in attendance, some of the most common things that you know and understand to help clarify it. Every situation yeah. is different. We understand that. And we would always direct people to your office or to their parish for more help. But let's kind of talk about this in a broad umbrella. And let me ask you this first. Have you ever heard this before? An annulment okay. is just a Catholic divorce. What's I the difference? I have heard that too many times to count. Yeah. Uh, tell, I, tell our listeners at its basis how these two are actually different things. Okay. So often when I'm taking testimony from someone and I need to sort of inform them of the nature of the process, I will point out that the process we are engaging in is not a mallet, it's a flashlight. We aren't doing anything to a marriage that is there and is presumed to be there. Divorce in its most proper definition, and the civil process of divorce kind of presumes this attitude, but is a little more complicated because it's a, a legal process in the civil uh, life of society. Um, divorce in its most true form is the idea that the spouses themselves, within the context of a presumably valid marriage, have the ability, as part of this understanding of the marriage contract, to unilaterally or bilaterally dissolve the marriage in such a way that at some point, by their decision, it no longer exists, and they are able to remarry. Now, this is radically opposed to the nature of marriage, uh, as the church points out, uh, even when the capacity to remarry was afforded in the Old Testament, owing to, as Christ puts it, the hardness of the hearts of those mm -hmm. Moses was governing. Even in that situation, it was something that was considered an unfortunate dispensation. The difference between what we do and the idea of divorce is that we do a fact-finding expedition with evidence provided by different parties, 
by witnesses they bring, with expert opinions, with uh, anything that we need, documentary evidence, civil documents, anything that will make the case or not make it, depending on how it may have an outcome, that the marriage itself did not come to be in the first place, such that we can say that this is proven as a matter of fact, not something we do beyond reasonable doubt. There are circumstances in which, because of something the church establishes, a valid marriage doesn't come to be, such as, for example, the regulation of form, uh, the requirement that a Catholic marry before a priest and two witnesses comes to mind. That, however, is something that the church did in order to assure the freedom of the spouses to marry in a way that is presumably valid by making it clear that they have to recite specific vows so that they have to say what it is that is intended at the time of consent and so that there has to be a proper preparation situation preceding the marriage, a proper oversight of their freedom to marry, and generally an assurance of their capacity to be married to one another. And so we're only looking at what is. We're shining a flashlight on a reality. We're not taking a mallet to something. Thomas Sundaram is an instructing judge for the Archdiocese of Portland. We're talking today about the Declaration of Nullity with regards to marriage. Thomas, I've enjoyed our conversation so much, but I am coming up against my break. Please stay with me through the break so we can continue our discussion in the next half hour. And it is 724 at Mater Day Radio. Well, one of the ways you can support Mater Day Radio is through our vehicle donation program. If you have an old car, a truck, boat, motorcycle, RV, you can donate that vehicle to Mater Day Radio's vehicle donation program. Just go to our website, click on the Get Involved menu, Vehicle Donation. It'll take you to the main page. Really quick and easy process. Just a couple of forms to fill out. You're good to go. And a likely tax deduction for you as well. It is Mater Day Radio's Vehicle Donation Program on our website at materdayradio.com or through the Hail Mary media app. Support for Mater Dei Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco, family dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco, family dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. Support for Mater Dei Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including the Catholic Youth Organization and Camp Howard. CYO offers local youth positive sports activities throughout the school year and summer camp programs at Camp Howard near scenic Mount Hood. Sports and camp registration information can be found on the web at cyocamphoward.org. That's cyocamphoward.org. Hi everyone, this is David from Mater Dei Radio's Morning Blend. I would like to invite you to check out my new podcast, On The Go, where I have a chance to visit with coaches, musicians, artists, and more. We go a little bit more in-depth with the podcast, which hopefully gives you a little more insight into the good folks we talk to. It's On The Go, available on your favorite podcast platform or Mater Dei Radio's free Hail Mary media app. I'll talk to you soon. 
The Morning Blend. Two hours a day for two times the fun. Two times the fun. On Mater Day Radio, the station dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And it is 726 at Mater Day Radio. Well, who was that unexpected guest at Cannon Beach yesterday? We'll tell you in the news. And speaking of guests, the White House will be receiving officials from the Vatican today. I'll tell you about their discussions coming up in news. Here is Dan Francis, no other name. We are David and Brenda on the Morning Blend right here at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life.
That is Dan Francis and no other name. It is 7.30 at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. And in your news this hour, Cardinal Matteo Zuppi, the Italian prelate tasked by Pope Francis to head a peace mission between Ukraine and Russia, is traveling to Washington, D.C. this week, the Vatican has announced. The Cardinal's visit comes only weeks after the Biden administration announced it was sending an additional $800 million in weapons to aid Ukraine's counteroffensive, including morally problematic cluster bombs that have been banned by most countries, including the Holy See. Zubi, who has already visited both Ukraine and Russia, will be in the U.S. Capitol from July 17th to the 19th and will be accompanied by an official from the Vatican Secretariat of State. The Vatican has not disclosed with whom he will be meeting with in his three-day visit. The latest round of support has drawn criticism from the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, as well as the bishop conferences from other countries, for its inclusion of cluster bombs in the military package. Cluster bombs present an especially grave threat to civilians, given that they impact indiscriminately large areas and often do not explode until long after impact. Well, you don't see this happen very often. The beach at iconic Haystack Rock near Cannon Beach was closed to the public yesterday afternoon as officials responded to sightings of a cougar on the rock formation. (laughs) According to social media reports, witnesses saw a cougar on the rock sometime after the sun came up Sunday morning. Then before 1 p.m., the Cannon Beach Police Department concurred that the adult mountain lion was still on Haystack Rock They had the beach between the rock and the dunes closed so the cougar would have an avenue to escape. Now, this is the second time cougars have reportedly been spotted on the northern Oregon coast in the past several days. On Friday, the Oregon State Parks and Rec Department closed the eastern section of the Loop Trail at Nehalem Bay State Park, 16 miles south of Cannon Beach, due to multiple cougar sightings there. So clarify, was he on the beach at Haystack Rock or was he on the rock? He was on the rock. So it, it doesn't that get covered with water, though? It does. The, the yeah. surf comes in and then you can't get back. Exactly. So, I mean, I suppose if the cougar wanted to, it could swim. But it's not, you know, I don't the rock think kitties so, like yeah. water that much. So they were saying, I believe low tide was going to be around 6 six thirty last night and they were hopeful that when the tide went out then you could walk you know okay. the cougar could walk on the sand and get to wherever it wants to go i haven't heard yet this morning though they if, if it's off if, if it's off the rock, rock or not so i it sounds to me like perhaps this cougar watching some birds land and fly around that rock thought maybe it would yeah. be easy pickings until it uh, got stuck at the restaurant yeah. i saw some photos yesterday of it really? on, the, on the rock yeah it's pretty pretty amazing i'm gonna look that up yeah after 34 years leading the nonprofit Sharehouse, Diane McWithy has announced her retirement. The nonprofit is one of the leading housing and homelessness service organizations in Clark County. It provides housing assistance, outreach resources, meal programs, and case management to community members. McWithy's last day as a full-time executive director was July 14th. Naomi Reynolds, who was worked at Sharehouse for 22 years, 
Most recently as the deputy director will take over as executive director. In 1989, McWithy, a mother of two, was scrolling through local job advertisement looking for part-time work when she stumbled across an office manager position for Share. She was interested in working in nonprofit for personal growth after working nearly a decade as an accountant for a for-profit company. Within her first six months at Share, the organization was on the hunt for a new director, and she watched as candidates got hired and left the position, and some were rehired, but nobody seemed to be sticking. McWithy was asked if she'd be interested in the job. She hit the ground running, sitting down with local organizations, including the YMCA and Council for the Homeless, to talk about how they could work together. Now, a lot has changed for the organization. They grew from a staff of just her and a budget of $125,000 to a staff of 127 people and a budget of $26 million. Well, some wildfires to report this morning. Evacu- evacuation orders were lowered to level two. Get set for Skamania County residents on Bear Creek Road after a wildfire began Sunday afternoon. Fire initially prompted a go now notice, but fire officials lowered that order around 8 p.m. Authorities said a level one get set evacuations remain in effect for those along Old State Road. Washington state officials say the fire is about five acres in size. As of early Sunday evening, there were three engines and four helicopters at the scene, along with one hand crew. More personnel is being sought. Not quite sure the update yet this morning on the fire there. In southern Oregon, a fast-growing fire is burning through the Rogue River Siskiyou National Forest as of yesterday. Officials said the fire behavior was extreme due to high winds and steep terrain there. The flat fire was reported two miles southwest of Agnes in Curry County about 6 p.m. started near the Oak Flat Campground. So I know there's some other ones burning, too, in different locales that time of year. Okay. An erupting volcano in Alaska's Aleutian Islands sent a towering cloud of ash into the air Friday, prompting the National Weather Service to issue an in-flight warning to pilots. The Shishaldin volcano began erupting July 11th, according to Alaska Volcano Observatory. A U.S. Coast Guard overflight confirmed lava erupting the same day within the summit crater. A significant explosion at 1.09 a.m. on Friday produced an ash cloud that reached up to 40,000 feet and drifted south over the Pacific Ocean. A second smaller explosion at 7.10 a.m. reached about 15,000 feet. The National Weather Service issued an in-flight weather advisory due to the drifting ash cloud. Volcanic ash is angular and sharp and has been used as industrial abrasive. So the powdered rock can cause a jet engine to shut down. The volcano is about 680 miles southwest of Anchorage, Hmm. near the center of the uh, Unamak Island, which is the largest island in the Aleutians. Interesting. So big volcano. That's 40,000 feet into the air. That gets up and then it thins out. And I bet a lot of the area, depending on which direction the wind's blowing, could be seeing a little ash in the morning. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because we'll have in our next new segment about the wildfire smoke from the Canadian wildfires. And uh, you think about that now to the north, and it's just like, geez. Gets up in the air yeah. and heads south. Else? Well, in sports, it was a five-set 
epic match, <laughs> but when it was all said and done, it was 20-year-old Carlos Alcaraz defeating the GOAT, Novak Djokovic, to win his first Wimbledon men's title and serve notice that the young up-and-comers have finally broken through the yep. big three, Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, and Roger Federer, who's now retired. So I watched uh, m- much of the match. It was like five hours in length. It's hard to sit there and watch, you know, trying to do that things. Long, but sure. uh, I did certainly see major portions of it. So Djokovic jumped out, won the first set six to one. And you're thinking, no, he's going to cruise. Yeah, because it was a a mighty win. It was not a close one at all. No. And then the second set, nearly 90 minutes in length. The second set alone. And it went to a tie break, and Alcarez won the tie break. And that, I think, was the turning point. Although it went the full five sets, and Alcarez won the fifth and final set six to four. So it was that close all the way along. Djokovic had won the previous four Wimbledon titles. He has won seven Wimbledon titles. So everybody thought, man, you know, he's the he's the guy. And in. of course he is. But Alcarez is just a great, great player and is going to be for years to come. Oh, for sure. At 20 years old, he has a long career <laughs> yes, if he, he can does. stay healthy. Now, yeah. where was Alcarez seated coming into the tournament? Well, ironically, number one. Oh, he was. He was the top seed. Yeah. And uh, Djokovic was the second seed. Okay. So if you look at it from a seeding standpoint, he did what he was thought he could yeah, do. Yeah, but that 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 seeding was kind of an anomaly because Djokovic had been number 1, but he didn't play a lot of tournaments leading up to Wimbledon which allowed Alcaraz to jump in front of him. But needless to say, he deserved the win. Excellent. Well, congratulations. Mhm. David, are you a lover of cheese? Yeah, I do like cheese. I do too. Yeah. Certain ones. I yeah. don't don't get too fancy on me or yeah. stinky, but yeah, I do <laughs> yeah. enjoy myself a good grilled cheese sandwich. Mm, oh sure. Too. Well, cheese is so popular that we tend to take its existence for granted. But when you're preparing a sandwich or a snack with a slice of good old American favorite Monterey Jack. You might want to consider that its creation came after the hard work of some very careful Franciscan friars. Mm, Now, according to You Catholic, the famed cheese owes its origins to the missions established in California between the late 18th century and early 19th century. Among them were the San Carlos Borromeo de Carmelo Mission, founded by St. Junipero Serra in Monterey Bay in 1770. These missions had to be self-sufficient. This meant they grew their own fruit and vegetables. They also brought cattle over from Europe. With all the food they produced, they were able to only fend for themselves, but also provide sustenance to those they were serving in the local area. Not wanting to waste the surplus supply of milk that their livestock produced, the missionaries set about making queso blanco payas, otherwise known as country peasant cheese. The cheese was creamy, but also firm. Now, in 1859, decades after its initial creation and following the sale of California to the United States, a rather shady entrepreneur named David Jack opened a farm where he focused on dairy products. And they say in quotes, 
working with or perhaps maybe taking advantage of Spanish and Portuguese dairymen. David Jack used their know-how to produce the queso blanco bias and named it after himself, <laughs> Jack's Cheese. There you go. The popularity of the cheese skyrocketed over the ensuing decades. Today's pasteurized Monterey Jack Cheese is a firm favorite among many Americans and accounts for a substantial 10% of all the cheese production in California. That means it's high fat and moisture context makes it perfect from grilling cheese sandwiches to a fantastic quesadilla. Mm. Sounds good to it me. It does sound good. It's time to find out what's going on in our Catholic community. This evening at 6.30 p.m. is celebrating the feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel at the Marian Prayer Center. Rosary is at 6 o'clock, Mass at 6.30, and enrollment in the Brown Scapular, celebrated by Father John Marshall, refreshments and fellowship to follow. You can find details on these and many events. Just head over to the community calendar, materdayradio.com and the Hail Mary Media app. And Brenda continues her interview on annulments right after the forecast. Support for Monterey Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Best Buy in Town Landscape Supply. Since 1984, Best Buy in Town has been supplying the area with landscape products and services, including bark dust blowing, rock, soil, sod, and recycler of yard debris. Located at 2200 Cornelius Pass Road in Hillsboro. Online at bestbybark.com or 503-645-6665. Are you searching for stories of how God is transforming lives in profound and creative ways? Do you want to be inspired to join the mission of evangelization? I'm Miriam Marston, host of Blazing the Trail, and each week through interviews, scripture, and song, we explore what it looks like to share the gospel with courage and hope. Please join me on Wednesdays and Sundays at 7.30 p.m. right here on Mater Day Radio or anytime on materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. at Mater Dei Radio. Overcast skies this morning, then some clearing later today, a high of 78 degrees. Mostly clear tonight, low of 56. And then for Tuesday, sunny, back up to 85. Currently 64 degrees at St. Rose of Lima Catholic Church in Portland. And 61 degrees at St. Mark's Church in Eugene. And I am back with Thomas Sundarum. Thomas is joining me today as we talk about the process of annulment. Thomas, thank you so much for staying with me today. So, Thomas, for somebody who is going through this process of a declaration of nullity, has their marriage, as far as the eyes of the law, say the state of Oregon, have they received a divorce? Is that a necessary part of this process in a declaration of nullity? So there are two aspects of the decision uh, to get a divorce pursuant to getting a declaration of nullity that I want to examine here. And one of them is, is the tribunal uh, ever going to be encouraging someone to get a divorce? And the answer to that is no, we want people to commit to the best of their ability. uh, As long as this is morally possible, this is not to say that people should stay in an abusive situation, that separation may not be merited or anything like that. We want people, though, in the context of a marriage which, by law and morally, is presumed valid until proven otherwise, uh, we want them to make sure that they do everything they can 
to try and repair difficulties in married life, work through the problems, get past the difficulties that they have in order to persevere in the vocation, which as far as they know, they may still be in since they haven't had a declaration indicating on the on behalf of the ecclesiastical authority that they are free to believe that they aren't married. Uh, so as far as people are concerned before they get to the point of an actual divorce, they should really be trying to work on the marriage. We understand that there are times when it's not possible to do so because of uh, very difficult and dangerous situations, the need to assure safety and so on, and the presence of the reality of the moral need at times for separation. But when you enter into a declaration of nullity, there has to be at least the moral verification that there's been an irreparable breakdown of the common life such that it is not at all plausibly likely or not reasonably likely that the parties will ever get back together, for example, and resume married life. And so we don't want people to divorce, but if they're going to be coming to us to say, I think my marriage was null, and therefore having to establish that there was that breakdown, this is the general conventionally established way of showing that. Thomas Suterum is joining me today. We are talking about this very complex idea of the Declaration of Nullity. Thomas, this is a lot. I understand it, you know, and what we were just talking about and how we look at divorce civilly. Sometimes though, p- both parties aren't necessarily ready to engage in this, where one person wants to enter into this process, the other one is going to go, oh, no way. I'm not doing this. I'm not helping you. This was an ugly process already. I'm done. What's the process for somebody then who is hoping and praying for a decree of nullity? When they come and seek out help through your office, what happens then? How much time are we looking at? What's involved in this whole process? When you come to a tribunal asking about your freedom to marry, the purpose of what we're doing is to render a just decision to which the parties are entitled concerning the sacramental status they have in the church. Are they in a marriage presumed valid or are they not? Are they free to marry or are they not? Is there anything that might actually indicate that this is the case? And what is the truth that the church is able to provide concerning that after a formal investigation? So then this process, though, uh, they they enter into this uh, kind of just give our listeners a, an outline or a guideline as to the different steps involved right. in entering into the process. Yeah. So when someone believes that there is a reason to say that their marriage may be null, you know, they maybe they don't even know what that means yet. Typically, someone will go to their priest and they'll say, I'm a Catholic, I was divorced, or I want to marry a Catholic and I was previously married. Maybe they try and marry a Catholic and discover that this is a requirement uh, because they don't have to be Catholic in order to seek a declaration of nullity. It is a prerequisite for becoming Catholic in many cases if you're in a civil marriage or uh, seeking to receive the sacraments if you haven't been practicing for a while, if you're in a civil marriage, if you have a unique circumstance. Uh, or or generally speaking of... of um, marrying a Catholic if you have been previously married or they have. And so it's one of those things where you might get anyone, they come to a Catholic church, they talk to the priest, or they they call the tribunal or the chancery, and they somehow find out that they need this process. And so they sit down with someone, usually a volunteer that we've appointed for the purpose uh, to be an advocate for them, and they help them fill out the packet of stuff that we need in order to initiate a case. And that, in the first place, is an occasion for them to think about what went wrong? What was the problem? 
where might it have originated if it originated in consent and what is the claim being made in very broad terms it's not supposed to take 50 pages to do this part it's meant to be you fill out the data that you have and you provide a brief summary what we call the libellus and if there's what we call the fumus boni juris the smoke of good law in the libellus which is a very low bar to meet then we tend to accept the case and if the case is accepted that little book that libellus is then sent to their former spouse which is where a lot of the confusion comes up at the beginning okay this is a judicial process generally speaking it is meant to make sure that everyone with an interest in making sure that the truth is told about a particular marriage is able to weigh in based on things that are said about it and by with an interest i mean specifically the spouses there are uh, there is a very important divine law requirement that we satisfy due process God himself observes due process in the garden with the judicial summons of Adam and Eve, with uh, eliciting a judicial confession, even though he already knows that they've eaten the fruit. And classically, medieval canonists uh, have famously upheld that this means that due process is not something dispensable, but a matter of divine law. And so likewise, with that same gravity, we recognize that there is an imperative need to make sure that we afford both parties to a marriage equally the rights that they have in a process such as this. It affects them both equally. Uh, okay. Maybe it doesn't matter to them how it affects them in particular cases, but it affects them both equally. And so what rights we afford to one spouse, we afford to the other. And that means when one spouse submits a petition alleging that the marriage is invalid, the other spouse has a right to see that petition and respond if they should so choose to do so, if we can find them by any means after a diligent search. And likewise, the petitioner in a case is expected to recognize that and help us to try and find the contact info of their former spouse to the degree that that's possible morally for them. And so we will recognize that these can be complicated, but this is the first sort of note about the process, that it engages both of the parties to a marriage. And so the next phase is just proceeding from that. You've made a claim about your marriage. Now you have to provide the evidence to substantiate it. You name witnesses you have the establishment of the claims being made as being what the court is investigating called the joinder you have uh the period of the instruction phase which is where the evidence is actually collected uh people schedule depositions and we contact them whether in person or via zoom uh we send out written questionnaires where it's absolutely necessary and then we have what's called the we have the capacity to seek psychological experts we have the capacity to seek public documents whatever else that might seem necessary or fitting for the case and then we have what's called the publication phase so that everyone has a chance the 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 spouses and their advocates have the chance to see what it is that's been said about the marriage and respond to it and potentially submit new and grave evidence if necessary uh so that we can make sure that the whole thing is complete we can give everyone a chance to weigh in as much as they're going to about everything when that's finished uh then it proceeds to what's called the conclusion phase and the conclusion is kind of like your final arguments by the lawyers if you will by the advocates and by the parties and by the defender of the bond who also plays a very important role in keeping us honest meant to argue always in favor of the validity of the marriage uh, that is against the claim of nullity and uh the defender of the bond examines everything that's come in come in gets the last word after any replies and has the capacity to appeal so we have a whole judicial process that builds out of this to make sure that we are honest about it and then when that's done we decide and then write the sentence and issue that 
And then there's the capacity for appeal. And then there's the capacity for appeal to third instance, if that is something they need to do. But Thomas, obviously, through all that we've had in this discussion today, because it is so complex to Mm -hmm. get this declaration of nullity only validates the importance that a marriage is in the life of a couple and especially in the life of the church. So for somebody who is listening, who wants more information in this process, how can they, uh, where should they go to find that? And how can they maybe get to your office for questions? So our esteemed and excellent notaries who are intimidatingly good at their job are always available for phone calls if people are curious about the process and they can also refer people to folks at their local parish who are trained by us to be advocates and who are able to speak to them about it. We can assign people someone to help them prepare the case, as we often do. Uh, Likewise, they can go to their local pastor and chances are there is an advocate stably appointed at the parish or or their local priest and they'll know who that is and can refer them to it. And uh, generally speaking, if there are questions of law outside even the context of marriage nullity sometimes, uh, we are always willing to be at the service of the faithful to the degree that there's no conflict of interest. And um, generally speaking, we want to be at the service of people who want to understand their rights and their obligations in the life of the church. Excellent. Well, Thomas, I really appreciate your time today. And thank you so much for all that you do for our archdiocese, especially for our couples who are going through this process now. Thanks for your time today. And again, that is Thomas Sundaram. I will include information that we were just talking about and information about his office. You're going to find that link on the podcast of this interview, materdayradio.com and the Hail Mary media app. And it is 7.55 at Mater Day Radio. And speaking of the Hail Mary media app, if you haven't downloaded it yet, just a reminder, it is free. All the information about the Hail Mary Media app, including access to our exclusive audio, video, and text prayer library, it's on our website at materdayradio.com. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco Family Dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco Family Dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. The bridge between your faith and everyday life. This is Modern Day Radio, KBVM Portland, Salem, Vancouver, KMME Cottage Grove, Eugene, Springfield, Translator K235BF, Eugene, and streaming at moderndayradio.com. As we surpass three decades of broadcasting, all of us at Mater Dei Radio are thankful for the many blessings this special radio ministry provides to our Catholic community. To ensure that our faith continues to thrive in today's media, we hope you will consider including Mater Dei Radio in your estate planning. There are many estate planning options to choose from, but one way would be to include Mater Dei Radio as a beneficiary in your will. More information on estate planning is on our website at materdayradio.com. The Morning Blend. It's a cup of joy with David and Brenda on Mater Day Radio. And it is 7.57 at Mater Day Radio. Well, it's the Dirty Dozen list of fruits and vegetables. Mm. Yeah, we'll have that for you coming up. And if the word of Christ is the seed, 
That means we are the soil, says Pope Francis. I'll have more from his Sunday Angelus address right after Awaken the Saint. Hey everyone, I'm Sophia with Awaken Catholic, and this is Awaken the Saint. Princess Hedwig was born in 1374 as the youngest daughter of King Louis I of Hungary. Since she was the child of his second wife and had the purest Polish blood of all of his children, the king wanted to make sure Hedwig became Queen of Poland following his death in 1382. She was originally engaged to William, the Duke of Austria. The Lords of Poland did not favor a foreign duke and demanded Princess Hedwig to give up on the engagement or renounce the throne. The princess tried with all of her might to still marry William. The two had become inseparable during her time in Austria, but her mother, Queen Elizabeth, demanded her to marry Duke Jagiello of Lithuania. William and Hedwig tried to marry in secret and remained together, but she was forced to satisfy politics and Hedwig was married to Duke Jagiello at the age of 13. William was also forced to leave Poland and the tragic love story was put to an end. Through divine intervention at the foot of a crucifix, Hedwig was affirmed that God would not abandon her in this new marriage. The new queen offered all of her heartbreak and suffering up to Christ and soon came to see the fruits of her new marriage that maybe it wasn't as bad as she originally thought. The cross she venerated would later be known as St. Hedwig's Cross. Jagiello began their marriage as a pagan, but was eventually converted to Christianity through the intercession of the queen. She quickly became known as the most Christian queen up to her death and one who gave her life completely to God and the Blessed Mother. The two rulers who did not even speak the same language came to recognize that they actually ruled seamlessly together and brought about peace in Poland that lasted over 400 years. Throughout her life, Queen Hedwig was dedicated to restoring and building hospitals, schools, churches, and caring for the poor. One miracle that she's credited for was after giving jewelry to a poor stonesman in need, she walked across dry plaster that captured an impression of the foot her donated jewelry had come from. The plaster wasn't even wet. It came to be known as Hedwig's foot and can still be seen today in one of Krakow's churches. Shortly after finally giving birth and losing her only daughter, Queen Hedwig passed away from illness in 1399. She would forever be remembered as the spiritual mother of the poor, weak, and ill of Poland. She was canonized in 1997 by St. Pope John Paul II and became the patron saint of Poland and Queens. It may have seemed like St. Hedwig had a trivial life of royal suffering, and she definitely did. But what made her a saint was that she was able to persevere. She never abandoned her prayer life and constantly leaned on the love of Christ when she had nothing left to give. Let us continue to remind ourselves that God does not abandon us and can do many incredible things throughout our lives. All we have to do is take our suffering to the foot of the cross. St. Hedwig, Queen of Poland, pray for us. Thank you for tuning in to Awaken the Saint. Awaken the Saint is a three-minute daily show that unpacks the lives of the saints with practical messages for everyday life. And that is Awaken the Saint. For more information about the saints and to pray with Mater Dei Radio, please download our free Hail Mary Media app. Details at materderadio.com. It's 8 o'clock. At the Angelus address on Sunday, Pope Francis reflected on the parable of the sower and encouraged parents not to give in to fashions of the world and to continue to sow goodness and faith in their children. From the window of the Vatican Apostolic Palace, the Holy Father explained that if the word is the seed, we are the soil. We can receive it or not, but Jesus, the good sower, does not tire of sowing it generously. 
He then addressed young people and explained that they can sow the gospel in the furrows of everyday life, as in prayer, a small seed that you cannot see, but with which you entrust everything you have to Jesus, and so he can make it grow. He encouraged the crowd to go ahead joyfully and invite them to remember the people who place the seed of the word of God in our life. Each one of us think of how my faith began. Perhaps it germinates for years after we encountered their examples, but it happens to th- and thanks to them. And finally, he prayed that Mary, whom we venerate today as the Blessed Virgin of Mount Carmel, help us to be generous and joyful sowers of the good news. Canadian wildfire smoke is bringing unhealthy air across the northern tier of the United States to start the week, triggering air quality alerts for more than a dozen states from Montana to Vermont. Forecasters predict around 70 million people would see decreased visibility and poor air quality, including residents of Chicago, Detroit, New York, St. Louis, Cleveland. As all of this, uh, the plume of smoke stretched across the U.S. with several states experiencing unhealthy air. Some of the unhealthy air stretched as far south as northern Alabama. Parts of the U.S. will be at risk of smoke for the foreseeable future, depending on weather patterns and fire flare-ups. As Canada is experiencing its worst fire season on record, more than 24 million acres have burned so far this year. An area roughly the size of Indiana. My goodness, we've been it seems like we have been talking about the fires in Canada oh. for months. Yeah. And of course, we're in the dead of summer right now, so it's going to go on. Oh my goodness. Mm. The head of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops Committee on International Justice and Peace expressed concern this week over the Biden White House decision to send cluster munitions to Ukraine to aid in the country's ongoing conflict against Russia. The Defense Department announced last week that it would be sending additional security assistance to meet Ukraine's critical security and defense needs. The package includes additional artillery systems and ammunition, including highly effective and reliable dual-purpose improved conventional munitions, the later of which are commonly known as cluster munitions. On Friday, Peace Committee Bishop David Malloy noted in a statement that dozens of countries, including the Holy See, have signed the International Convention on Cluster Munitions, which prohibits all use, production, transfer, and stockpiling of the armaments. Critics warned that the bombs, by the nature of their widespread coverage area, pose significant threats to civilians. They also also pose a risk of leaving behind unexploded ordnance on battlefields, which could cause harm to civilians even after conflicts have ended. Well, this is something to think about the next time you buy fruits and vegetables. Blueberries, <laughs> beloved by nutritionists for their anti-inflammatory properties, have joined fiber-rich green beans in this year's Dirty Dozen of non-organic produce with the most pesticides According to the Environmental Working Group, a nonprofit environmental health organization. So each year, a rotating list of produce is tested by USDA staffers who wash, peel, or scrub fruits, vegetables, as consumers would, before the food is examined for 
251 different pesticides. Who knew there there were actually what? 251 different pesticides? So as of 2022, strawberries and spinach continued to hold the top two spots on the Dirty Dozen, followed by three greens, kale, collard, and mustard. Listed next were peaches, pears, nectarines, apples, grapes, bell and hot peppers, and cherries. Officials recommend buying certified organic as tests show little to no pesticides on the produce. So we always try to buy organic. Just whenever you can. Whenever we can for that reason. They say if you can't for whatever reason, just do a good job of either washing it or peeling it. I mean, some peeling a grape. Peeling a grape could take you a little while. But yeah, but you definitely want to go through the process of doing a good cleaning job on those if you're not buying organic. And if we've said it once, we've said it a hundred times, David, support your local farmer's market. That's right, exactly. An invasive species of clam has gained a major foothold in the Columbia River. That's the finding of a study conducted by a team from Washington State University, Vancouver, just published in the Journal of International Review of Hydrobiology. The Asian clam has been in the Columbia River since the 1930s, probably arriving on ship hulls or imported as food items from Asia. While the clams aren't new to the river, they may be a red flag for other invasive species to potentially make an appearance, according to Salvador Rob Chavez. Rob Chavez is a master's graduate in environmental science from WSU Vancouver and the study's lead author. He said that there are a lot of these Asian clams in the river right now, from Astoria all the way to the Tri-Cities. The invasive clams are known to be a detriment to natural native mussels, and they outcompete them for space, for food, and ultimately diminish mussels' conditions and abundance. So what can you do to help? If you are a boater, be sure to follow state invasive aquatic species rules to make sure your boat is cleaned up properly and doesn't spread any unwanted creatures from waterway to waterway. You know, I really did not know that there were that many clams in the river. In the ri- I was yeah, surprised because yeah. you think of clams as being a, a saltwater species, right, getting yeah. them on the beach. But yeah, Asian clams in the Columbia River. Mm-hmm. All right. In sports, coming off one of their best seasons in program history, University of Portland men's soccer team is ready to face another exciting, challenging schedule. Pilots will play three exhibition matches to get started, the first on August 11th, hosting the Seattle Redhawks. Portland will open the regular season Friday, August 25th, against the Sacramento State Hornets at Merlot Field. Conference play begins for the Pilots on Saturday, September 30th, with a home contest against the Pacific Tigers. Portland ended last season with a record of 15-3-3 for their highest win total since 1995. They advanced to the NCAA Tournament quarterfinals for the first time since that season and also tied the 1989 program record for home wins in a season at 11. So uh, looking forward to pilot soccer. With the Miracle Club hitting the big screen over the weekend, the miraculous French town of Lourdes is very much on the Hollywood map. The moving story is set in 1960s Ireland, where a group of women make a pilgrimage to Lourdes in search of miracles. Through their journey, they discover the power of reconciliation, friendship, and love, all of which lead to miracles they didn't ask for and perhaps didn't even know they needed.
The movie features some of Hollywood's finest leading ladies, including Laura Linney from Ozark and The Truman Show, Misery's Kathy Bates, and the indomitable Dame Maggie Smith, who many of you will know from her recent performance as Dowager Lady Grantham in Downton Abbey. With such a fine cast, director Thaddeus O'Sullivan, a native Dubliner, was able to portray not only the lives of devout Catholic families finding it hard to make ends meet, but the beauty in female friendships, hope, faith, and of course, Our Lady. The director may be familiar with working with big movie stars, but these three ladies together lead a particularly impressive cast. As O'Sullivan jokingly pointed out, it was intimidating terrifying (laughs) but working with such professionals the irishman stated i learned to keep my mouth shut if i have nothing to add i don't say anything and perhaps this is some sage advice for all of us to apply to certain areas of our own lives o'sullivan also pointed out how often big names are cast to try and sell the film but in this case the ladies were very sensitively cast and that results in some extremely powerful performances and as it turns out the name of the movie again is the miracle club getting some pretty good reviews mm. both from critics and those going to see it nice it's time to find out what's going on in our catholic community on thursday at four o'clock is thirsty thursday with solo seniors at stanford's at tanis born please call sue to rsvp two days in advance solo seniors is a catholic-based social and humanitarian organization for singles divorced separated and widowed men and women age 50 and over and remember you can find more details on this event head over to the community calendar materdayradio.com and the hail mary media app And Natalie Wood, the Executive Director of Catholic Charities of Oregon. She joins us next to tell us about a few projects. Support for Mater Dei Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Best Buy in Town Landscape Supply. Since 1984, Best Buy in Town has been supplying the area with landscape products and services, including bark dust blowing, rock, soil, sod, and recycler of yard debris. Located at 2200 Cornelius Pass Road in Hillsboro. Online at bestbybark.com or 503-645-6665. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Holy Family Supply, Salem's Catholic Bookstore. Located at 421 Court Street Northeast in downtown Salem, Holy Family Supply has a wide variety of Catholic gifts for all occasions, including Bibles, rosaries, statues, and holy cards. Holy Family Supply current hours and days of operation are available by phone at 503-588-1071. For more than 33 years, Mater Dei Radio has been sowing the seeds of faith. Your legacy of support continues to bring souls back to Christ, just like Michael Boultry. It's really miraculous. I'd come out of confession, and it was the first time I had met the priest. And I turned on my car, and of course, Mater Dei Radio's on. It was the priest that I had just encountered. It's like, whoa, thanks, Holy Spirit. But then the same thing happened again, where I had just met this priest. But then it happened again, and it was three separate occasions and three separate priests, God's providence was so clear to me. And I'm getting chills just talking about it. He was making it so clear and so obvious that, yes, this is the path. You guys are planting seeds that are bearing fruit now and down the line. Michael Boultry is just
just one of many souls the Holy Spirit has reached through Mater Day Radio. Help us continue to sow the seeds of faith. Hear more of Michael's amazing story and ensure your legacy of giving at MaterDayRadio.com. It's 8.13 here at Monster Day Radio. A layer of clouds moved in overnight, and we start the day with partly sunny skies. Those clouds will quickly move out, and temperatures going to be pleasant into the afternoon. Highs today, we're going to stay in the upper 70s. Overnight, cooling off to 56 degrees. Then tomorrow, we begin another heat up. 84 degrees for tomorrow. We could be near 90 degrees as we move through the week. So be ready for some more warm weather. Okay, 63 degrees at Queen of Peace Church in Salem. And it is also 63 degrees at Sacred Heart Monastery up in Castle Rock, Washington. Well, construction has just started on a new affordable housing project in Portland thanks to a partnership with a variety of groups and agencies in the area. That includes Catholic Charities of Oregon. Joining Mater Day Radio this morning to give us the details on Gleason Landing and more is the Executive Director of Catholic Charities of Oregon, Natalie Wood. Good morning, Natalie. Good morning, David. It's so nice to be here. Well, happy summer to you. Well, thank you. Happy summer to you. I'm I'm trying to think back now. When did you arrive here in Oregon for the position? I arrived. It's been a little over a year now. So you made it through a full summer. That's right. I made it through a full summer. And a full winter. Great to have you here for the full year now. And uh, as I mentioned, just some wonderful projects Catholic Mm -hmm. Charities works on. Certainly the construction projects we're going to talk about this morning, but just a a variety of other projects as well. And I always encourage folks to go to your website and see, because there's so much information there that you can learn about Catholic Charities of Oregon. But did want to talk about these construction projects. And, And let's start first with the one I mentioned and that is Gleason Landing. So yeah, yeah talk a little bit about Gleason okay. Landing. So housing has really risen to the top of our priority list as housing, uh, as the housing crisis continues to deepen and more and more families are unable to afford housing here in the Portland area. And Gleason Landing is a real opportunity um, in that way because it's a private and public partnership and it involves uh, multiple partners on this as well as voter bonds on housing and so gleason landing is two buildings one building is uh, comprised of units for families Mm. and it's going to be run by urco yeah and then catholic charities has a building called beacon at gleason landing and it has 41 permanent supportive housing units And the permanent supportive housing units are for those individuals who are experiencing chronic homelessness, Mm -hmm. have disabilities, uh, mental disabilities, physical disabilities, those kinds of things. And so we not only provide housing, but we provide full wraparound services as well. And one of the good things about Gleason Landing, well, actually about all the properties, Gleason Landing, St. Francis and Claire, I say St. Francis, sorry, that's from the parish, Francis and Claire and Good Shepherd Village, is that they're all uh, collaboratives that provide a space for video health. Oh, nice. Yeah, so we'll be able to connect with a health provider and make sure that people are receiving whatever their needs are from a physical basis as well. So we're really happy about that. And Gleason's Landing is going to be especially 
special. I think it's large. There's 147 units in total. It's got, I'm sorry, 137 units in total. And uh, it includes a community room and a kitchen, a laundry room, a playground, picnic areas, a community garden, bike parking, surface parking, and an on-site multicultural preschool. Mm. So it's got a lot of different wraparound services that um, it will be able to provide. I've seen some renderings of it, and uh, it's really beautiful, beautiful homes. I think, you know, Mm -hmm. it's going to be just a wonderful addition to the community. Well, thank you. You know, we really work hard to make sure that we are collaborating to build buildings that actually reflect human dignity Mm -hmm. and have the services that reflect human dignity. So we believe housing, of course, is a basic human right. Yeah. And so um, with that is not just that they receive the building, but they receive a space that is welcoming, comfortable, that is like a sanctuary that they can call home. Yeah, that's wonderful. And talk a little bit, too, about the partnerships, because we know that houselessness is such a huge issue, not only in the Portland area, but across the country, in in big cities across Mm -hmm. the country, big and small for that matter, but you can't go it alone. It's just not going to happen. No, it's it's a... To be able to have all the different services that you need and to be able to have the types of buildings that we like to have, you have to have multiple uh, partnerships to be able to do that. Um, We are working with Northwest Related or Related Northwest, and we're also working with ARCO, the Immigrant and Refugee Community Organization. Try to remember all my (laughs) acronyms. And then we have a slew of other partnerships with public entities. And I hate to begin naming them because I'll forget someone, right? There's so many of them, but we have a slew of them that are are really working hard to help us with that uh, project. And that's absolutely necessary for us to be able to provide all the different um, services that are needed and have the buildings look the way that they look. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of curious, how do the partnerships come together? I I mean, at some point, you have to sit down, you have to talk, you have to talk Mm -hmm. about the needs of the community. Mm -hmm. And I'm always curious about that. How, How do you make these links, these partnerships? Well, a lot of it has to do with um, funding opportunities. And so we have metro dollars, we have bond dollars, we have... So some of it has to do with the dollars that are available. Some of it has to do with the different type of services that you want to be able to provide Mm -hmm. in the building. Some of it has to do with the developer and the context that the developer has and and their thoughts. And so as you're working on the project you begin to envision and develop a strategy for achieving that vision. As you do that, you begin to bring in those individuals from the community that are the best fit for those particular items. And housing is such a priority in the Portland area that most individuals or most groups and entities uh, don't hesitate to want to step in and uh, contribute in some way. I think Stone Soup is also going to be one of our partners that we're working with in um, Gleason Landing. So we were talking about Gleason Landing, but you Mm -hmm. also mentioned a couple of other projects as well. Right. We have Francis and Claire coming up. Now, we just had our groundbreaking at Gleason Landing last week, 
And Francis and Claire were signing up all our documents now, so that one will be coming up soon. But Francis and Claire is centered in southeast Portland, and it's close to St. Francis Parish. Right. And as you know, there's a lot of need in that mm-hmm. area already. Yeah. And so this one is going to be 61 affordable units for 0 to 30% income that are experiencing chronic homelessness and have complex behavioral and health challenges. So this is going to be probably our most strategic um, site to date. We'll provide the services and um, the building. We'll have a quiet room for relaxation, a community classroom, and a large plaza It's near the bus line and places for jobs. Wonderful. And, you know, St. Francis Parish has um, historically provided services to this community. Right. And so um, it's kind of a good collaborative fit Mm -hmm. for us Mm -hmm. to be working together. For years, the St. Francis Dining Hall there. Absolutely. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Again, we're speaking with Natalie Wood. She's the executive director of Catholic Charities of Oregon, talking about some of their projects they have going on. And then there was a third one, too, that you had mentioned. Absolutely. That's Good Shepherd Village. And so Good Shepherd Village is someplace that I think Catholics will really take to heart. This land was donated by John and Peggy Brokamp of Christ the King Parish. Absolutely. And this will be our biggest housing project to date. It'll have 142 affordable homes. The property originally was used for gatherings, Mm -hmm. and it was donated to us to be able to use for this affordable housing in that area and it's the very first affordable housing unit in happy valley wow so we're very excited about that we should have applications opening in july for a fall move-in wow you're busy yes we've been busy (laughs) absolutely and that doesn't include immigration or any of our other programs refugees or any of our other services yeah on any of the construction projects uh, the housing projects any room there for citizens help uh, volunteers i'm so glad you asked that question yes we'll have a special opportunity for parishioners to help residents of good shepherds this summer and into the fall we're going to put a call out for welcome home kits and our welcome home kits come in, in multiple sizes, I guess you would say. Sure. We have kits for individuals or couples and kits for families with kids. And then under that, we have a variety of types of kits. So we have welcome kits, kitchen kits, cleaning kits. Nice. Kind of you can take your pick of what you would like yeah. to uh, support our families with. Uh, fantastic. Again, I encourage folks, go to Catholic Charities of Oregon website. You can learn about the projects and other volunteer opportunities, how you can help. Uh, just a wonderful opportunity there for citizens to get involved. Natalie Wood, Executive Director of Catholic Charities of Oregon. Natalie, great to talk with you. Thanks for all of the work and all of the projects out there. Much needed. Oh, it is. I tell you, it is such a blessing to be part of Catholic Charities and to be able to experience a life of service. I can't say that all people have the opportunity, and when the opportunity comes up, I think you should really take advantage of it because it is so special to live a life Mm. where you know you are doing service to advance God's kingdom here on earth. Thank you. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful summer. Thank you. God bless you, too. 
It is 824 here at Mater Day Radio. A great lineup of shows can always be heard right here at Mater Day Radio, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you want to view our full lineup of our great shows, head over to our webpage, materdayradio.com. There under the programming page, you'll find our full schedule every day of the week. Every hour of the day, you will find what is going to be on Mater Day Radio. You're also going to be able to see that programming schedule on the Hail Mary Media app. So speaking of that schedule, it is Monday. That means Living Stones coming on this evening at 730. Of course, those podcasts are always available on the Hail Mary Media app, sometimes even before they air on Mater Day Radio. It is a program schedule, materdayradio.com. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco, family dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco, family dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. Mater Day Radio's Leadership Circle connects through AllSource Communications. Is a technology upgrade in your company's future? AllSource Communications is an independent local telecom brokerage specializing in internet and phone systems. Connect today at AllSourceCommunications.com. That's AllSourceCommunications.com. Or call 503-967-4887 for AllSource Communications. Connecting Mater Day Radio's Leadership Circle. Do you want to live a truly authentic Catholic life? This is Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, and Monday nights at 7.30, Ken Hellenius and I team up for Living Stones. This dynamic weekly show will help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church with practical ways that you can grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Join us for Living Stones, Monday nights at 7.30 on Modern Day E-Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Lattes and cappuccinos may be tasty, but it's the morning blend with David and Brenda that will get your day started right on Mater Day Radio. And it is 827 on Mater Day Radio. Several wildfires burning throughout the area today. We'll have the details in the news. High-ranking officials from the Vatican. Well, headed to the White House this week. I'll tell you more about what's on the topic of their meetings in three minutes. Here is Dante Schmidt and Victory. We are David and Brenda on the Morning Blend right here at Mater Day Radio, leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.
Dante Schmidt and Victory. 731 here at Mater Day Radio. We have some wildfires to report in the news this morning. Evacuation orders were lowered to level two. Get set for Skamania County residents on Bear Creek Road after a wildfire began there Sunday afternoon. The fire initially prompted a go-now notice, but fire officials lowered that order around 8 p.m. Authorities said Level 1 gets set evacuations remain in effect for those along Old State Road. Washington State officials say the fire is about five acres in size. As of early Sunday evening, there were three engines and four helicopters at the scene, along with one hand crew. More personnel being sought now. In southern Oregon, a fast-growing fire is burning through the Rogue River Siskiyou National Forest as of yesterday. Officials said the fire behavior was extreme due to the high winds and steep terrain. The flat fire was reported two miles southwest of Agnes in Curry County at about 6 p.m. started near the Oak Flat Campground. Also reading, too, about another fire near Estacada in that area, too. So, again, uh, you've got a string of these wildfires going on right now. So that time of year, we talked last uh, newscast about those fires in Canada and Mm -hmm. how big that has grown. Wow. 24 million acres. Million. Yeah, it's incredible. Cardinal Matteo Zuppi, the Italian prelate tasked by Pope Francis to head a peace mission between Ukraine and Russia, is traveling to Washington, D.C. this week, the Vatican has announced. The Cardinal's visit comes only weeks after the Biden administration announced it was sending an additional $800 million in weapons to aid Ukraine's counteroffensive, including morally problematic cluster bombs that have been banned by most countries, including the Holy See. 
the cardinal who has already visited both Ukraine and Russia will be in the U.S. Capitol from July 17th to the 19th and will be accompanied by an official from the Vatican Secretariat of State. The Vatican has not disclosed with whom the cardinal will meet during his three-day visit. The latest round of support has drawn criticism from United States Conference of Catholic Bishops as well as bishop conferences from other countries for its inclusion of cluster bombs in the military package. Cluster bombs present an especially grave threat to civilians given that they impact indiscriminately large areas and often do not explode until long after impact. At the Angelus address on Sunday, Pope Francis reflected on the parable of the sower and encouraged parents not to give in to fashions of the world to continue to sow goodness and faith in their children. From the window of the Vatican Apostolic Palace, the Holy Father explained that if the word is the seed, we are the soil. We can receive it or not, but Jesus, the good sower, does not tire of sowing it generously. He then addressed young people and explained that they can sow the gospel in the furrows of everyday life as in prayer. A small seed that you cannot see, but with which you entrust everything you live to Jesus, and so he can make it ripen. Well, you don't see this very often. The beach at iconic Haystack Rock near Cannon Beach was closed to the public into yesterday afternoon as officials responded to sightings of a cougar on the rock formation. According to social media reports, witnesses saw a cougar on the rock sometime after the sun came up Sunday morning. Then before 1 p.m., the Cannon Beach Police Department concurred that the adult mountain lion was still on Haystack Rock, and they had the beach between the rock and the dunes closed so the cougar would have an avenue to escape. Now, this is the second time cougars have reportedly been spotted on the northern Oregon coast in the past several days. On Friday, the Oregon State Parks and Rec Department closed the eastern section of the Loop Trail at Nahalem Bay State Park, 16 miles south of Cannon Beach, due to multiple cougar sightings there. So haven't heard yet this morning if the cougar got off the rock or not. Uh-huh. They were expecting low tide yesterday evening, I think around 6.30 or 7, and they were hoping that that would allow the cougar to hop off onto the sand and take off to the dunes or wherever it was going to be headed. But yeah, haven't heard yet if it did that. So I just looked up online and sure enough, they've got pictures of this cougar just hanging out on this rock, Yeah, uh, probably looking for an easy meal. Yeah, and I don't so, know. I mean, if, if food is plenty enough out there, what's going to encourage him to leave? Yeah, that's a good point. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he just gets tired of being tired on the rock. Of being on the rock. But, you know, he only has a window of uh, once a day or twice a day to with low tide to get out without having to swim. Yeah. So <laughs> he's probably not going to want to do that yeah. very easily either. An erupting volcano in Alaska's Aleutian Islands sent a towering cloud of ash into the air Friday, prompting the National Weather Service to issue an in-flight warning to pilots. The Shish Alden volcano began erupting July 11th, according to Alaska Volcano Observatory. The U.S. Coast Guard overflight confirmed lava erupted the same day within the summit crater. A significant explosion at 1.09 a.m. Friday produced an ash cloud that reached up to 40,000 feet, drifted south over the Pacific Ocean. 
A second smaller explosion at 7 a.m. Friday reached about 15,000 feet. The National Weather Service issued an in-flight weather advisory due to the drifting ash cloud. Volcanic ash is angular and sharp and has been used as an industrial abrasive. Powdered rock can cause a jet engine to shut down. The volcano is about 680 miles southwest of Anchorage near the center of Unamak Island, which is the largest island in the Aleutians. What's the name of the volcano? It is called the Shishaldin. Hmm. Shishaldin. Probably a native word, I would imagine, for that volcano. Well, in sports, it was a five-set epic match, but when it was all said and done, it was 20-year-old Carlos Alcarez defeating the GOAT, Novak Djokovic, to win his first Wimbledon men's title and serve notice that the young up-and-comers have finally broken through the big three. That would be Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, and the now-retired Roger Federer. In yesterday's match, it looked like Djokovic was going to cruise to his 24th Grand Slam title to build on his record. He won the first set, just cruised 6-1, to one, but it was the second set that was the key. It went on nearly 90 minutes. Whoa. One set. One set. 90 minutes, and it was won by the young Spaniard in a tie break. From there, it was a battle all the way with Alcaraz winning the fifth and final set, 6-4. to four. So how big was that? Djokovic had won Wimbledon seven times, including the last four. Oh. So, and he was... Favored to win yesterday as well, even though Alcarez was the top seed and Djokovic was the second seed, which was kind of an anomaly, really. But needless to say, 20 years old. So Alcarez uh. has a big career ahead of him. And, you know, he won. I kind of forgot about this. Alcarez won the U.S. Open. Last year. Last year. Oh, he did? Yeah, so it's not like he's not a great player. He's now got two Grand Slam titles at 20. Good for him. So look out. There must be something, though, a little just uh, difficult to to win. Of course, competitors always want to win, but to beat your your mentors, these, oh, yeah. big, these big names must, you know, feel good and at the same time go, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry about that. Well, it's interesting, too, because Rafael Nadal, uh, a Spaniard, now Alcarez going to be the next great Spaniard Spaniard player. Yeah, so oh. it'll be interesting to see if he can challenge Nadal's record at 20. You never know. Never know. Cheese is so popular that we tend to take it its existence for granted. But when you're preparing a sandwich or snack with a slice of that good old American favorite Monterey Jack, you might want to consider that its creation came after the hard work of some very careful Franciscan friars. According to You Catholic, the famed cheese owes its origin to the missions established in California between the late 18th and early 19th centuries. Among them were the San Carlos Borromeo de Carmelo mission founded by St. Junipero Serra in Monterey Bay in 1770. Those missions, they needed to be self-sufficient. This meant they grew their own fruit and vegetables. They also brought cattle over from Europe. With all the food they produced, they were able to not only fend for themselves, but also provide sustenance to those who were serving in their local area. While not wanting to waste the surplus supply of milk that their livestock produced, the missionaries set about making queso blanco payas, otherwise known as 
country peasant cheese. The creamy cheese was also firm at the same time and became quite a local favorite. In 1859, decades after its initial creation and following the sale of California to the United States, a rather shady entrepreneur named David Jack opened a farm where he focused on dairy products, working with or maybe taking advantage of Spanish and Portuguese dairymen. David Jack used their know-how to produce the queso blanco payas and named it after himself, mm-hmm. Jack's Cheese. The popularity of the cheese skyrocketed over the ensuing decades. Today, pasteurized Monterey Jack cheese is a firm favorite among many Americans, and it counts for a substantial 10% of the cheese produced in California. All this talk makes me want to have a quesadilla this yeah. morning. So I, I do like cheeses, most of them. Like I like cheddar cheese. I, I mean, what would be? There's a lot of different variety of sure. cheeses. So what are like? What are the different? So what yeah, are the common cheeses? The you got common cheddar. cheese, cheddar. Uh, uh, what's on your pizza? You got mozzarella, of course. A provolone, nice slice of provolone. I like provolone inside your sandwich. Uh, Havarti cheese. Mm-hmm. You got your breeze, of course. A nice splash of blue cheese dressing yeah. on your salad uh, makes for a good salad. You, you, you like know, that kind of thing. You, you know the type of cheese I don't particularly care for. I mean, I can eat it; it's okay, but I know I don't care for it. cheddar or not cheddar. Um, what's the one? Swiss. Swiss, Swiss cheese. cheese. I don't. I'm not a, a big Swiss cheese fan. It's a little sharp. Yeah, it, it does, and you got to have a, a liking for that kind yeah. of thing. Uh, my father-in-law, God rest his soul, I believe there was not a slice of cheese that was not his best friend. He loved them all. Yeah. Oh, I I loved would agree. Every single yeah. one of them. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. <laughs> It's time to find out what's going on in our Catholic community. And coming up this Saturday and Sunday is Encounter School of Ministry Summer Intensive in Portland at Ascension Catholic Church. The Summer Intensive School provides a survey of content offered in the first four quarters of Encounter School of Ministry, just over a two-day period. It's perfect for anyone desiring to attend the Encounter School during the year, but unable to do so due to distance or schedule. It is also ideal for those discerning their enrollment in the school, but needing further discernment. And remember, you can find details on these and other events. Head over to the community calendar, MontereyRadio.com and the Hail Mary media app. How about that cheese in a can that you can just squirt in your mouth? Oh, I think they call that cheese-like food. <laughs> I don't think that actually qualifies. Cheese in a can. Just cheese in a can, sure. Hey, hey, what are we doing here next? Anyway, we got a second cup we coming do have up. have a second cup. David, you just came back from vacation, so now that you're back, we're going to do your pre-trip checklist oh, and see okay. if you got all these things covered before you headed out. And yeah. Maybe if you're heading out this week, there'll be some things to remember before you all leave. Right, all right. We'll look at that right after the forecast. Support for Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Best Buy in Town Landscape Supply. Since 1984, Best Buy in Town has been supplying the area with landscape products and services, including bark dust blowing, rock, soil, sod, and recycler of yard debris. Located at 2200 Cornelius Pass Road in Hillsboro. Online at bestbuybark.com or 503-645-6665. 
Camp Howard challenges everyone who experiences camp with us to live, learn, and grow in the Catholic faith. At Camp Howard, we help cultivate children's social skill sets in a safe environment with trained staff, connecting with others in the beautiful, peaceful outdoors with a host of wonderful activities. These activities include swimming, archery, arts and crafts, group games, campfires, and just having fun with fellow campers. This summer, we will have seven overnight sessions in the popular family camp weekend. Weeks are filling quickly, and wait lists have already started, so be sure to register now at cyocamphoward.org. Save the date for our Champions of Faith Benefit Dinner, October 17th at the Oregon Convention Center. Our keynote speaker is three-time U.S. Women's Amateur Golf Champion, Laura Tennant. Come help fuel the future for our youth. Purchase tickets at cyocamphoward.org. Thank you for inspiring our youth to become faith-filled leaders. May God richly bless you. Holy Family Catholic Clinic is a proud member of Mater Dei Radio's Leadership Circle. Located at 21810 Willamette Drive in West Lynn, Holy Family Catholic Clinic is Christ-centered and provides superior, compassionate, life-affirming health care to patients of all ages. Holy Family Catholic Clinic offers medical services that are in adherence to Catholic moral teaching and bioethics, honoring the sanctity of life from conception to natural death. Learn more at holyfamilyclinic.com. That's holyfamilyclinic.com. A great way to support Mater Day Radio is through our leadership circle. These are businesses and organizations whose names you hear on the air every day. They believe in our mission of providing the region with positive Catholic radio programs of faith and hope. Simply put, our Leadership Circle members keep our broadcast strong through their financial generosity. If you run a business or organization, please join us. We need you. Information on our Leadership Circle at materdayradio.com. And it is 8.57, excuse me, 8.47, 8.47 at Mater Day Radio. I was almost late, David. I was going to say 8.47 is your time. Today, clouds, look at this, haven't had any out there in a while, but some morning clouds, we'll see partly sunny skies later today. Today is the cool day of the week, if you're looking at cool days of the week, 78, your projected high, low tonight, 56, and then Tuesday, sunny, 85, Wednesday, sunny, back to 91. Ooh. Warming up, so don't put your, make sure your shorts are still handy. You still need them. Currently 67 degrees at St. John the Evangelist Catholic Church in Vancouver. And 60 degrees at St. Michael's Church in Sandy. The morning's almost over, but not before a second cup of the morning blend. Here's David and Brenda. Well, the morning team is back today. David coming back after a very lovely vacation, or you said, as you put it, a staycation. Kind of a staycation. We did go over to Astoria for a couple of days and enjoyed that. But then for the most part, just uh, knocking around town, had a nice time, played some tennis, which I enjoyed, watched tennis and played tennis. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Wimbledon, for being on during this time of year. But other than that, yeah, it was kind of warm. So, yeah, you know, just hung out, hung out at home, hung out on the back deck and relaxed and uh, took it easy. So for a staycation, now my problem would be this. I love the idea of staying home and not because traveling can be an effort. But if I were to stay home, my tendency would be to do work projects at home. Sure. So how do you remind yourself to just... Make sure that you spend a staycation yeah. relaxing. Uh, you know, I did do a little bit here and there. Like, I'll tell you what I did over my staycation. I planted a couple of tomato plants. Oh, you did? Yeah. 
which I I thoroughly enjoyed. So it's not really that's not really work because I I wanted to do it and uh, so yeah so I did that that was one of my projects but that literally took me all of about you know <laughs> forty forty five minutes and I was done so it wasn't like I spent the whole day in the garden doing okay. things. Uh, but I must say that one of the things I did enjoy doing our raspberries were going off. Are oh, they? Ours goodness. are too. I can hardly eat enough of them because they and they'll just rot and drop off the back because it's like i've just had a handful of raspberries yesterday and i eat as many as i can it's a good year for raspberries yeah so we're freezing them are you yeah we've got uh little baggies that we've put them in and put them in the freezer and i love them because i put them in my smoothies oh sure so they last a long time that way the great thing about smoothies too is because you can just drop them in frozen Mm -hmm. and Boy, they blend right up. Uh, add a little sweet and sour and some tequila. David, it is a perfect <laughs> afternoon margarita. That, that, there you go. That's that's very true. I was thinking about you saying that for my smoothie in the morning. No, I don't. don't put, no, don't I don't go with the, the tequila in the morning in the smoothie. Not one of the ingredients. <laughs> Although I do put protein powder, which is a little different than tequila. It so, is. A, okay. Yeah. Both will get you moving in, in maybe that's separate right. directions, yeah. but nonetheless, an enjoyable drink for sure. Well, you just came back, and there's some things that maybe people are heading out here very soon on a long vacation, going to be out of the house for a little while. There are some things to keep in mind for sure uh, that you should just make sure that the house is taken care of in a certain way. Right. My thing is I cannot, for whatever reason, and maybe I'll just blame it on my mother because this is what I learned it from, I cannot even begin to pack a thing for me and even when the kids were little, until every piece of laundry was done and put away. Right. Because the thing I hated the most was getting the idea like, okay, I want to take this and I need the shirt to go with it. Where is that shirt? Yeah. Now you got to go hunting for it. Uh, So that is one of the things I do is I make sure that things are, uh, the laundry is cleaned up. I don't want to come home to laundry because I'm sure my suitcases will be full of laundry. I'm kind of the same way, not necessarily with laundry, but with just house house cleaning in general. When we leave on a trip, I want to, I want the house clean because I don't want to come home and open the front door into a dirty house. dirty house. And you know, if you forgot to take the garbage out, then you might have a scent, we'll say. Yes, indeed. It's also important to remember about safety. You want to make sure that your home doesn't appear to be like everybody's gone. Right. Uh, They say it is really important to make sure you have a timed light that comes on at a certain time every Mm -hmm. day. So that Mm -hmm. way, while you're gone, it has the appearance of somebody there. Maybe have one of the local kids in your neighborhood come over water your plants inside the house outside the house so it gives the idea that you know life is mm-hmm. still happening at that home yeah that's a that's a tough issue if you travel during the summer if you have like hanging baskets plants that need watering every day mm-hmm. if you're gone and you don't have anybody to do that you can come back to some pretty sad looking oh, flowers they'll be so unhappy they're yeah. like where you been exactly oh. and they may not rebound either <laughs> For sure. Another thing that they recommend that you do, and especially if you're traveling a long distance, notify your credit card company to let them know that you are going to be traveling, especially if you're out of the country. Mm -hmm. And even then... It's not a guarantee. It's happened to us before on a, a trip that we took in 2019. We were using Scott's credit card for an Uber 
and they blocked the card mm. just because it was so unusual. Sure. And we called the bank the next day and they said, you know, there's a, an algorithm that they use. Right. So it's possible that I'm going to unlock it, but it could happen again. And sure enough, a day later, yeah. it was not usable again. We've so. had our credit card company call us sure, and yes. leave a message to verify a purchase. It's like, is this really you? So. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate that. All right. Well, that is uh, going to wrap it up for our second cup today. But I do have a full list that on the podcast of today's uh, second cup, I'm going to put this little pre-check vacation list on there. So that way you make sure you run down the list if you are heading out of town. We hope you enjoy today's second cup. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco, family dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco Family Dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. Support for Matra Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including the Catholic Youth Organization and Camp Howard. CYO offers local youth positive sports activities throughout the school year and summer camp programs at Camp Howard near scenic Mount Hood. Sports and camp registration information can be found on the web at cyocamphoward.org. That's cyocamphoward.org. Summertime is a great time to drive the open road. Unless your old reliable wheels just aren't up to the task anymore. You know who could use that old car? Mater Day Radio. You can donate most vehicles, cars, trucks, vans, RVs, and boats to Mater Day Radio's vehicle donation program with the proceeds supporting a faith-filled Catholic broadcast and in return getting yourself a likely tax deduction. More information on our vehicle donation program at materdayradio.com. The Morning Blend, brewed in the Pacific Northwest, guaranteed fresh every day on Mater Day Radio, the station dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And it is 8.55 at Mater Day Radio. One last look at your forecast. Partly sunny skies later today, high of 78 degrees. Mostly clear overnight tonight, low of 56. And then Tuesday sunny, Wednesday sunny, Thursday sunny. Getting back to 91 on Wednesday, so uh, heating up again. Currently 66 degrees in the Rose City. And closing out our show today, here is Christ Our King by Village Lights. You are listening to The Morning Blend right here at Mater Day Radio. Oh, 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 oh,
That is Village Lights and Christ Our King. It's 8.59 at Mater Day Radio. Oh, I made it through. You did. How does a, a working day before a vacation compare to a working day after a vacation? Uh, I would say the working day before vacation is a little easier. Just a bit. <laughs> Just a tad bit easier. But it is nice to be back, so thank you. Thank oh. you for the welcome back song to start the show today. All right. Well, we thank, glad to have you back. Thank and you. We hope our listeners have a very blessed Monday.